What's up, guys? Um, Rafa and I are taking this opportunity because there isn't that much. No big news in the NBA happened the last two weeks. Maybe you guys would disagree, but we wanted to get this in before the season started. Yeah, we had to do something historical. We had to do something historical. Yeah, before the season started, we, got to, we had to put this in there. The greatest players of all time. Top 10, baby. Rafa and I will count down what we, who we think the top 10 players are and discuss each player, each selection of the other person. After we were recording this after the fact, quite surprising we got we uh, on the players that we landed on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get to our criteria and the list of players. My name is Carlos Sikia. This is Rafa Squill. Yep. Welcome to the Got Next podcast. All right, so let's kick off this top 10 list with uh, our criteria. And I think you and I have a little bit of criteria. So why don't you explain how you judged these 10 players? I feel like there's been a recent, like, the nerds on Twitter are, and you might fall into this category a little bit because of the whole winning bias thing, that there is a winning bias and maybe you shouldn't take that into account so much and you should try to... I guess carve out the player's individual impact on a on a team, yeah. Uh, using stats, um, but at the end of the day, to take Stephen Aysworth, you gotta get it done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now, now, before you continue, I actually will say that winning <laughs> winning does matter. It does. It has. It, it, does. it, it does. Actually, I, winning. it's not the only thing, but getting it done in the most important stage, it, it does matter. So. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Too, I'm not that far. I'm not that far of a nerd. <laughs> just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. But go ahead. Okay. Okay. No. So I think my uh, criteria would be: I looked at the players at their peak, how much they accomplished, um, the stats. Their stats, obviously. But I think with these top ten, it's more about the legacy. Like the for me at least, it's more about the accomplishments and the legacy more than the stats, because uh, they're already like, statistically they're probably really really close with each other. And then, so I look at their peak accomplishments and stats. And then longevity is probably the second thing that I, I, I considered. Uh, but I, I weigh the peak more than the um, longevity. Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay, how about that you? Actually, that was actually going to be my question. How, how are you going to um, balance between peak and longevity? Because ideally, you want these stars to last a long time. But I would rather, like, give me a couple of really great years. I feel like you and I are in the same boat. As long as your peak is five years, because like championship windows are that, are that pretty much yeah. that long. For, yeah. Unless yeah. you're like Bill Russell, which is <laughs> all thirteen years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know. If or LeBron. I, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think that there's. Well, I'll I'll just go into my my criteria then. Um. So as Carlos alluded to, um, I do look a little bit at stats more than others now i will say that winning does matter i do factor that stuff now it's not the only thing right because i'm not gonna put bill russell spoiler alert bill russell's not number one because he has 11 titles and robert horry is not three because he has seven titles you know what i mean so obviously ring counting is not my deal here but while winning is important it's i do look at how much they contributed to their teams even if they lost 
so basically I'll break down, I break down my criteria in the three kind of three categories. So I look at, I do look at stats, which I look at basic stats. I look at the advanced metrics like box score data and plus minus data trying to estimate wins. And then I look at team statistics, like the effect the player had on their specific teams. I'll look at the eye test because I'm looking for how good a player can generate easy shots for themselves and for their teammates or, you know, tough shot making too. Right. Yes, wait. I, I, I think I also, the film is also important that I didn't mention in my career. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> just open each player's Wikipedia and decide like, oh, he accomplished more. He's better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I understand that about you, but thanks for clarifying for people who don't know that about you. Yes. Yeah. So when I watch film, like on the offensive end, that I look for the balance between creating easy shots for themselves and their teammates, but also their ability to make tough shots because in the playoffs, you're going to have to take tough shots. It, it happens, especially with stars. Yeah. Of course, I look at defense as well, uh, on ball footwork, ability to contest shots, recovery, off ball Top stuff, defender. Yep. rotations, rim protection, especially for big men, uh, being able to bother driving lanes, passing lanes, blah, blah, blah. And then my third part besides the stats and the eye test is health and longevity. So, um, of course, longevity matters. I want a great peak, like a solid three, four years. I'll take over a lesser eight-year run. Without, but longevity is a big bonus, and that that yeah. is going to factor into some guys. So yeah, stats, I test longevity, health versus peak. So those are my those are my things. Um, do you go into like uh, offensive ones versus defensive ones, like? Um, the value one or the other? No, not necessarily. Um, for me, it's more important the effect that the that specific player had on a team. Now, I will say that majority of the players on this list are offensive number ones. Not every yeah. player is defensive number ones, of course, but there there is a player who will come up that probably wouldn't be an offensive number one, but could is a ceiling raiser type player. And I think that's valuable too. Russell. <laughs> right? Well, we'll see. Um, but there, there is a player who I think his ceiling raising ability is so great that it would put him this, because floor raising versus ceiling raising, right? So taking a mediocre yeah. team to great heights versus taking a great team to a, one of the greatest teams of all time. That second part's valuable. And I, I don't know if people understand that the second best player on a championship team is just as important as the first best player a lot of the time. Because if you think about like all the greatest teams of all time, they all had great second best players. Yeah. So it, it's, you can't say it's not important. And, you know, like some basic stats have shown that that second guy is just as important as the first guy. But the credit always goes to the, of course, <laughs> the of best course. guy. And of course, the best guy, and I, I'm not actually saying that the, the second best guy is more important, but because it's, it, it's so important to have that second guy that is okay understanding his role, but has to carry a big part. It's like the vice president of the United States. Right, right. Everyone assumes the bullshit job, but it's very important. <laughs> yeah. It's, the vice president of the United States, by the way, is in a, in a book named 100 Bullshit Jobs. <laughs> anyway. I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah, that was, I read that book a long time ago. It was really funny. So good book recommendation. All right. So 
I think it's just time to get into it. So I'm excited, man. So just so everyone knows, uh, Carlos and I don't know each other's top tens. I yeah, can kind of guess where bl- to go, but this is kind of blind. We haven't talked it's about blind, this in a while. Yeah. So my number 10 is Hakeem Olajuwon. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, and be- before we, we keep going, just so our audience knows, we're going to try to like keep our time down. And yeah, however long this is going to be, uh, we're not going to do this list justice because these are like the 10 greatest players of all time. And, you know, we just can't yeah. do it justice regardless. So if we have holes in here and there, that's why. All right. So number 10, Hakeem Olajuwon. Okay. Uh, you got, I got Shaq. Sha- Whoa. 10. Excuse me. I burped. Yeah, it's very close. Nice. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. I see that. Um, So I guess since I went first, I'll make my case for Hakeem at 10. So, of course, the the big thing that we see is offense. There are highlights of Hakeem Olajuwon's offense. (laughs) Dream shake. Freaking incredible. Yeah, dream shake. His footwork is incredible. He's probably... If Kobe Bryant didn't exist, he would probably win the award for the best tough shot maker. The impressive thing about Hakeem is that, of course, he commands all this insane attention, but his stats, like his basic stats, they get better in the playoffs. It's unbelievable. He definitely raises his game in the playoffs. He does. Particularly in the two, those two championship runs. Yep. And the thing about Hakeem, it's not just those years. So uh, looking yeah. from 90 to 95 when I, I just looked at his, his best individual years, 24 points per 75 on 55.9 true shooting in the regular season, it bumps up to 26.3 on 56.7. So, like, when people are really paying attention to him, for some reason, he just gets so much better. And it's because, like, that tough shot-making ability, like, you can't take yeah. that away. The tough shots that he gets in the regular season are the exact same ones he gets in the playoffs. And when you're really locked in, I guess that's what happens to Hakeem. Like, it's, it's incredible. He is limited as a passer, though. I remember this one open court episode where Kenny Smith was like, uh, said, Hakeem <laughs> couldn't remember the names of all the plays. So he, <laughs> yeah. he suggested that the plays be called Kenny because that's where the double team is going to come from. <laughs> and so that might, like, give you a little window into his IQ. He wasn't the sharpest in terms of reading the entire Offensive floor. IQ, yeah. Yeah. So, and... Ben Taylor's passer rating was 3.7, not very high. And he wasn't the best assist guy. And the tape shows that. He learned certain kickouts because that was the system that Rudy T put yeah. in. That's not something that was there. Like, his passing got significantly better from 93 to 95 when Rudy T was coaching because he understood where it was going to be. He understood the system. Um, yeah. Um, remind me what the – just curious, uh, side note. What was, what's the pass rating out of, again, uh, Ben Taylor? Is it out of – 10 it's out of five. 10 and so the thing about Hakeem's offense because of that his offensive impact is not as great as you'd think so I, just because you mentioned Shaquille O'Neal I'm going to compare the two offensive box plus minus for Shaq is seven Hakeem's is only like three in the regular season it's four in the playoffs sorry which offensive block box plus box minus. plus yeah yeah and off you know offensive offensive raptor for Hakeem is um, 1.2. So that incorporates plus minus data and box score, whereas Shaquille O'Neal's is 4.5. Right. 
Now, of course, oh. that those get better yeah. in the playoffs because that that his his shot making ability is insane. This gets to my point where defense is his by it's far and away his best attribute. He can he's he has a case as well for like goat like one of the goat defenders. That's literally like my first point in my in my notes. He has a case for goat defender. There you um, go. <laughs> right. So his his court coverage second to none. You've seen him guard perimeter players, right? It's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. He has good foot speed. Yep. And so this this defensive this elite defense and not as great offense actually shows up on the team stats. So even on the years that the Rockets weren't good. So even back to 87, even at 1990. In 1990, the Rockets were minus 4.7 points better on defense than league average, but they were below average on offense. They were minus 3.3 on offense. You know, he's not, and, he's not the great, greatest floor raiser to say. I think that he's a great floor raiser because clearly like when he, he took teams where he carried the entire offense but they didn't become yeah. great offensive teams. They were really based around his defense. Because though from 87 to 94, 95, they have an elite defense. And that's a long time. Not many yeah. people can anchor a defense that way. That's, that's where I have him at 10. So your case for Shaquille O'Neal, sir. <laughs> well, I think Shaq's case is pretty, is pretty clear as a top yes. 10 player. Oh, yeah. Like... Just from he his career from that, from his rookie year until like two thousand two, he was on pace to like what well, he had already had three peat at that point. Yeah, he was on pace to be like one of the greatest of all, like he, the goat possibly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, three 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 championships, three Finals MVPs, a three peat, uh, an extra Finals appearance in there. He was All Star, I think, for all of those years. He was he, he he won the scoring champion in two thousand. He was the MVP that year as well. Yes. Um, he freaking dominated the finals. Uh, <laughs> but Man. yeah, so I think that's his that's his case for being a top ten top top ten player basically, and that he a pretty he was easy the case I think. <laughs> yeah, offensive number one, easy on the, on three championship teams. I guess what kind of drops him down if if you have him in your top ten? I'm not sure if you have him have him in your top ten. What drops him down is that the fall off after 2006 mm. minus the 2009 year was a bit drastic compared to other the other all time greats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not to all, although he still played what 18 years. Well, yeah, well, I wouldn't say like super drastic. He was on a gradual decline, and then Phoenix. <laughs> Except Phoenix, yeah. But he, he did actually, have a resurgence in 2009, though. He had a good season. Yeah, that was a really good season. That he got yeah. a third team. He got a third team that year. Yeah, <laughs> and an all star all star appearance. Shaq has uh, surprising longevity. Like people think that Shaq only played well those three years, but he played really well. It's just that his peak was so high. Mm-hmm. He was like best player in the league level, and then like after that, he was what top 15 ish yeah. at some point, and. The, with, that, sure. with some like up and down, ups and downs. Yeah. And I mean, probably because he was so big, people thought that if he didn't win the title, he was underachieving. After, yeah. after making the finals in 95. Yeah. Um, actually, curious. Uh, curious about this from your AT point of view. Um, in, his, mm-hmm. in his biography, he mentioned that going to the Heat and him having to be... I think he mentioned in this book that he had to have a certain body, body fat. Yeah. I think it was like 10%. And he said that 
for his he 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 believed that his, for his body type it was not good for his knees or something. To is not that is there any basis? Is there any basis for that, <laughs> or is that just like him BSing himself? Yeah, it's him BSing himself. <laughs> if his thought is that, is that he, you know, and I bet he he probably thought that oh, muscle weighs more than fat, so. <laughs> You know, I think I should have a certain amount of fat, but at the same time, if you have fat and muscle, that weighs more than muscle. Yeah, right. So <laughs> that's BS. He was he was at his peak when he was you know a bit bigger. Like Lakers yeah. Shaq two thousand was better than 06 Shaq. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. Although arguably should have been MVP in two thousand five. But <laughs> I I would agree. Um, okay, so uh, is that it? For Shaquille O'Neal, have you made the case? Anything else you want to talk about? No, I think I'm good with, with Shaq. Yeah, Shaq's number 10 for me. Cool. It took us uh, eight and a half minutes. So we're going <laughs> to speed it along a little bit more. I know a lot of that was my fault. Number, ni- number nine, I think we won't have to say much because it's Hakeem. Oh, um, okay. You got Hakeem. The old, yeah, the only reason it's better than Shaq for me is... I'm going to say, say he beat him in the finals in 95. <laughs> <laughs> Young Shaq. <laughs> Young Shaq. Yes. Um, I think, I think uh, Hakim being the sole number one on the Rockets compared to Shaq having to rely a bit on Kobe kind of p- puts him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, his, what's it called? Uh, Hakim, I think Hakim's 90, 95 run is one of the, like, it's arguably <laughs> one of the single greatest runs. Yes. Yes, in NBA history, is. particularly that playoffs coming yeah. from number six seed, not not so good regular season. Although that midseason trade for Kyle Drexler is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, they were number six. They had to beat. They were. I think they had to come back three one or three two, like once or twice. That, that I think it was three two. I don't think they come back from three one against Phoenix. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, three two. Um, but yeah, and pretty much everything you said. Goat def- pop potentially the goat defender. Um, the system really worked for him on offense, uh, particularly and how off, uh, defenses were allowed to play in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, no double teaming. It kind of made it easy for him to make those reads. I wonder how he yeah, played yeah. in today's era for sure. where defenses are a bit more complex. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, who's your yeah, number nine? Absolutely. Uh, but, and before I get to my number nine, so this is the thing with the list. Like the more I dive into this stuff and the more I watch, it's like, I really don't, I, I couldn't decide. And ha- putting Hakeem this low, this is probably near the end of where I would put him. Cause he, he could range go, him, actually. He can go all the way up to like two or something. Maybe not two. But the highest I've had him is five. Mm. I, and I, I'll, I have some tiers that I'll, I'll say, but like he's in this tier from five to 11. He could be five, but he could also be 11. I put him here and I'll admit there may be some bias because of the disappointing uh, impact on offense, but at the same time, yeah. like his goat defenderness might put him above these other guys. And so at the end, after I looked everything and really studied it, I just kind of went with my gut and this is where my gut went. Cause once you hear my other guys, yeah. I think that you can understand it. And okay. I, I'm not going to lie. I edited this list 50 times throughout. The <laughs> so my number nine is Larry Bird. Oh, yes. I have Larry Bird at number nine. Um, and so this is the one I was talking about. And again, Larry is another guy who I could have as high as maybe not five, but six. 
I could have him as high as six and as low as 11, but I'm comfortable. I'm okay with him here. And this is the guy who I was talking about being the better ceiling raiser. Cause if you throw Larry bird on a team where he has to create everything, like we've seen his, his creation is not that great. He has a decent post game. He has a step back isolate in isolation. He has a deep bag of tricks, but because he's not that quick, he has not yeah. a first step. He doesn't have, you know, the great lateral quickness. It's limited. But his flaring off of screens, his hustling for offensive rebounds, and probably that he goat he's the goat touch passer. He's the goat touch passer. I don't think anyone's close. Goat trash talker as well. Goat trash talker, probably. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know if anyone's ever even come to his stratosphere in terms of being a touch passer. Just being able to get tap the ball to the right person. Yeah. Highlights devoted to this. It's incredible. Um, I do think that he gets slightly underrated as a defender uh, because he sucks on one-on-one, no doubt. Um, he sucks on one-on-one. He looks very slow. <laughs> he is. But he's, he is sharp. So that's a thing. Like, he anticipates very well. He, yes. We've seen that he's good at getting his hand in the passing lanes. He disrupts post-up players very well. He's good. He knows how to double-team very, very well. When he was younger, he had a little bit of rim protection. He, we know he would sacrifice his body. Yeah. So he occasionally took charges. And, you know, his, I mean, his defensive impact metrics are really high, but this is where I'm like, nah, it's because he played on a good defensive team. So I'm not even going to bother with that. One of the goat metrics yeah, the really teams. High. The goat teams, man, those 80 Celtics. Exactly. Those 80 Celtics were great defensively. So that's why those numbers are high. The reason that I did have him this low. His, his longevity fucking sucks. Dude, he played like, what, seven years? Like, sorry. He played until 92? Yeah. 92 <laughs> 12 years. From 80. And only, he only like peaked, and then he probably fell off by like 88 or something because of his back. Yeah. For me, like his absolute peak was 85 to 88, but 88, he got hurt in the playoffs. Yep. So like 85 to 87 was really like the, that championship window, like the best championship window for him. I know he won 81, but still, he wasn't prime bird. And so we see like, and the reason I have him over Hakeem is because I do think that his, his peak is a little higher than Hakeem's, just by a little bit. Mm. I flip-flop once again, of course. <laughs> no, that, so those three straight MVPs in 80, from 84 to 86, I think, He's the best, like the literally best player in the league. Mm-hmm. Arg- for for yeah. those three until years. probably arguably until eighty seven. Then after that was Magic. But that's where I have Bird. I have Bird at number yeah. nine. And then you want to snake to the number eight. And I will snake to I, number eight. I have I have La- I I have Larry Bird in this list, but not in the number okay. nine. <laughs> clearly, well, clearly so. not number nine. All right, <laughs> clearly not number nine. <laughs> All right, so eight. Um, I know that there are going to be these massive... I've noticed these divisions on this particular player. Some people are like, he is number three. Or this guy is like 15 at best. Kobe. Kobe. I (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) I have Kobe eight. So, of course... Hey, hey, hey. We match. (laughs) Really? You have Kobe eight? Nice. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Cool. Nice. That's awesome. Okay. So... um, Again, I could have Kobe. (laughs) I could have Kobe as high as five. Again, absolutely. I could have him as low as probably ten. I wouldn't go eleven. 
I would never put Kobe outside the top 10. It's, it's so, it seems so wrong to put him out of the top it 10. It does, it does. And here's the thing, like this may be where my bias comes in, but I just think like the more I think about it, I've thought about putting Kobe outside of the top 10, I just, just as a thought exercise. Because his impact metrics, they don't love him. But yeah, th- this is where like, you know, I'm not so like, I don't harp on the, on the numbers as, as much. Like his with or without you is only like 3.8 versus guy like Bird who's six. And his was by far the lowest of everyone I considered. Like it was far and away the lowest, right? And there are other numbers like that. But just because when I look at his basic numbers, the fact that they just, they really don't change from playoffs from regular season to playoffs, like he maintains it at such a high level. Um, that's, that's something to be said. Not all superstars are capable of doing that. And it's because, one, he's the greatest tough shot maker of all time. The greatest, A yeah. plus and a minus. But <laughs> I think that because of his elite off-ball game, like that's, that's one thing that I, that really Ben Taylor pointed out first. But when, the more you look into it, it's, it's insane. Like that makes him able to play with guys like Shaq and guys like Pau Gasol. Yep. Looking into his numbers, the Lakers' offense was uh, at 111 with only Kobe on the floor, but it goes up to 113 and a half with Kobe and Powell. That's the kind mm-hmm. of effect you want for your two best players, and that's why I kind of say like that second guy is just as important. For sure. Right. That's kind of I mean- evidence of that because it just brings everything up. Yeah, I mean, you saw what happened when they didn't have, we did, when they didn't have Powell. In, yeah, exactly. <laughs> without Shaq. Right? Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, the 08 Lakers were good without Powell, and then Powell comes, and it just, it, it balloons. They become so good. Like, yeah, the Lakers actually, would not have been in the finals with, without Powell. For they sure, for sure. With Powell. And then, of course, defensively, he's more of a, an on-ball point-of-attack guy. His off-ball stuff's not as good. Yeah. And it's interesting. This is where the impact metrics, and I actually agree on his defense, because his 06, 07 monster scoring seasons, his, he's like n- essentially a neutral defender, which makes sense because he didn't give a shit. <laughs> no, for- he was carrying everything. But as soon as he has a good yeah. team, his imp- he, the, the metric get better. That makes yeah, sense. He, he, especially on those years when he wasn't on the, on the, on the, on the, on the good teams, I, felt, I feel like he was... Um, Saving himself for offense, basically, yes. which everyone, yeah, all players do. Um, and he probably got like some of these defensive teams on reputation rather than merit. But <laughs> that's that's here or nor there. A little bit, yeah, probably. I would say. I mean, he's still a great on-ball defender. I think that it's sometimes it is overrated. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, the the reason, like, even though the impact metrics don't necessarily love him. The reason I just can't have him out is because when he's on a really good team, that team is just really good. I mean, the 08-09 Lakers were like five points better than league average, and then they had elite defenses. That's not necessarily all Kobe, but like Kobe can lead these elite offenses. I've seen it, and just from the tape, because he's, he probably has the deepest bag of tricks in NBA history. There's, you know? Yeah, his footwork's insane. His footwork's insane. And he's actually, I know there are jokes about Kobe, like, just get the offensive rebound. <laughs> but he literally he, quoted himself for saying that. Anyway. He did, he did. <laughs> he doesn't help. But man, like, his, he creates a lot of stuff for his teammates. He, he is really sharp. 
to the point where like when I look into the guys who like really influence offenses the most, there are the guys who are like elite playmakers like Magic and Nash, the elite Uber scorers like Kareem and Shaq. And then there are the guys who are good at both. And in that list is Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe. Yeah, Kobe, Kobe could even be arguably be a, like, he is a good passer. Like some of the passes he makes are really good. Yes. It's just he doesn't pass all the time. <laughs> yes, he does. Of course, he has scoring tunnel vision. There's no doubt about that. But when he finds, he does find good, easy layup passes, especially when he has a guy like Pau Gasol. He really looks for dump yep. downs. Those are the best things that he looks for. And he's probably like, I just, I, the, the play that popped into mind was his spin, his spin move drop off yes, yes. in the 09 finals. That's the flashiest version of it, but he no doubt, like, he looks for that. He loves that dump yeah. down. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, he also likes passing to himself off the glass. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yep. Probably, I think Kobe is the greatest at adding stuff, little things to his game. And James Harden is probably close behind, but Kobe is number one for me. Yeah, yeah. He always came back with something new. Each yeah. Year. One thing I want to add. Yes. 2001 playoff run. It's probably like the greatest playoff team ever. Yes. And Kobe and Shaq were part of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it bodes well that Kobe's game allows him to be accustomed to playing with a guy like Prime Shaq. And he can still yeah. get his numbers. And the team still benefits. That 0-1 Lakers team was freaking incredible. Yeah, they, they basically the two best players in the league. Exactly. <laughs> the same team. Yeah. And yeah, cool. like the fact that they can play together, like they, do, they know when one guy can go and one guy. It's not more like, it's yeah. not really like taking turns. They kind of, they, they mesh really, really well together. Yes. Rather than like a LeBron Wade where they had to take turns. It was yes. more like Curry and Durant where they yeah. played more synergetically, basically. Exactly. I mean, if Shaq was in the post and they doubled him, Kobe would run to a place, get, and then, then he would be able to create. Like, I do yeah. think that as soon as his team had the ball, Kobe was in attack mode. He's already thinking about how he's going to get to the spot. The, yep. minute, the minute that his team got the rebound or got the ball, right? I think there, there was this one quote real quick. Um, Jim Jackson was talking a former NBA player, great defender, talking to Nick Wright about why he still has Kobe over LeBron. He was specifically saying that LeBron lets you off the hook and Kobe will never let you off the hook. And I was just like, I think you're just like hyping up a guy in your era to make it look better. I was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but when you think about it, Kobe was always in attack mode. He was always a threat when he didn't have the ball. LeBron gets rid of the ball and that's it. He'll cut it. But Kobe is always moving. Yeah. That that's, might be what he means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know what he means, but we can interpret it that way. <laughs> I, that's how I might interpret it. Because as a, just me thinking of it as a defender, there are certain guys that I've guarded where if they let go of the ball, I can relax. And then there are guys who let go of the ball, I can't relax. Yeah. That's, that's how I might interpret it personally. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Number seven. Number seven. So, yeah. La- Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Okay. <laughs> So we pretty much covered him earlier. Mm-hmm. Probably like one of the great. I, I I can't wait for this on Ben Taylor's greatest peaks, but he's probably he's gonna he's definitely gonna be covered coming out on Monday. Yeah. Yes, Larry Bird. Um, yes, three three MVPs, three rings, three fi- two Finals MVPs. Um, 
Yeah, the best player in the one of the best players in the eighties, arguably the best player in the eighties, depending on who you're talking to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, not for me, <laughs> if you see up uh, later but in the th- list. Yeah, but I think the worst case is second best player of the eighties. Yeah, there's no way you can say case. otherwise. I think Rafa covered a lot of uh, a lot of the reasons why he's he, he's on this list. This is where like the peak versus longevity thing mm-hmm. comes into play. For yes, me. Um, I think Larry Bird's peak. Is great was greater than these three, these three guys, below him. I could see um, that, which is why I have him here at number seven. I could definitely see that. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah, and obviously he probably possibly is one of the one of the greatest teams of all time in the '86 Celtics. Yep, that's fair. Um, yeah, for me, like between Larry and Kobe, I did think that their peaks. I couldn't decide whose peak was better. Honestly, I might have given it a little bit to Bird. Because his passing like would take the offense to a little bit greater heights. He's a better passer than Kobe, but yeah, I just think that Kobe's longevity um, and then his off-ball stuff was enough for me to say I think I can put Kobe mm. above him. And of course, these are like splitting hairs, as you can tell. I, I it's hard to decide. You can't really fault someone for. Yeah, you know. honestly, if you ask me, if you ask me tomorrow, this list is probably going to be different <laughs> than it is now. But my number seven. Is Shaquille O'Neal? This is where I there have. There you Shaq. go. Okay, we still have the same. Okay, we still have yes. the same four players. So we're in. We're yeah. So so far we haven't had any disagreements. So, in terms of who is in here, Shaquille O'Neal at seven. It's interesting because I actually initially had Shaq at five. Like on Monday, I had Shaq at five, and the more I thought about it, the reason I bumped him down is more philosophical reasons, which I'll get into later when we talk about other guys. But just to talk a little bit about Shaq. He, when we talk about getting easy buckets, is there anyone better than Shaquille O'Neal? Maybe Wilt. He'll just but bow you. He'll, he'll give you the bow. Yeah. Get I mean, did you watch, for those who haven't seen NBA Open Court Basketball 101, he talks about his post game. He has two moves. <laughs> hook, hook shot. Yeah, hook shot. And his spin move. <laughs> and the drop step, yeah. Yeah. Can we just think about what a luxury that is? You only have to think about two moves. Even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who has a skyhook, has more than two moves. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal really has only had to have two moves. And then he'll, like, crash the offensive glass. That's it. That's all he did. I don't understand. Like, and they couldn't defend him still because he's so fucking he's big. fucking big. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> And just to, just to put his insane offense in perspective, so his, at his peak, his offensive box plus is higher than everyone except Jordan and LeBron, right? Like, it's seven. That's higher than, like- it's higher than everyone. Now, his defense is shite, but <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I think th- there are two camps. Like, Shaquille O'Neal would still be dominant today, and then Shaquille O'Neal would be a bum today. Of course, I mean, the, he would still be dominant today. But he would be a defensive line. Who would defend him? Yeah, who would defend him? Like, having that kind of offensive impact so worth his defensive shortcomings, like, it's yeah. not even funny. But he has defensive shortcomings. So you'd have to pair him with... He has had the luxury of playing with perfect fours, people that play power forward that suit him. Horace Grant, Robert Horry, yeah. um, Udonis Haslam in Miami, and then briefly, like, a little bit Antoine Walker, James Posey. Shooters yeah. and elite defensive guys. And that's what you have to do today. You'd have to pair him with like Rocco or Jamichael Green or something. 
today. Someone who can space the floor for him. Exactly. But if you have Shaq, you're you're gonna have an offensive oriented team, no doubt. Like he he brought he brought the Lakers to great heights. I mean, they were five points better on offense in the league yep. in 0102. Your defense was like up and down, of course. But they're an offensive <laughs> team. The funny Me? thing is, even even in '98, when they weren't really, they didn't. I think they got to the conference finals or the conference semis. They, they but, got conference conference semi, conference finals and got swept. If I'm not wrong. Yeah, by Utah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that team in the regular season was seven points better than the regular season. And this is like sixty-two wins, four All Stars. Yeah, that's the year they had four All Stars. Now, of course, they lost to a superior Utah team, but that's the effect that Shaquille O'Neal has. And we know that that's Shaq because Kobe wasn't Kobe. Yeah. And Nick Van Exel weren't, they were all-stars, but they weren't. They weren't. Yeah. So that was mostly like, we can give the lion's share to Shaq. Side note. Sorry. Side note on that 98. Imagine if it was the Lakers Bulls in the finals. (gasps) (laughs) Sorry. Young Kobe versus Jordan. Sorry. That would have been. That that would have been incredible. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Go Continue so, your point. <laughs> anyway, to get to the reason why I ended up bumping down, um, the philosophical thing for me. Remember what Bill Simmons said in his book, The Book of Basketball, about Shaquille yes. O'Neal's career overall? This isn't the whole philosophy, but Shaquille O'Neal could have been the GOAT. He should have been the GOAT. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And he, What's and, his analogy, the 4.0? Yeah, so Shaq could have gone for 4.0, but instead decided to go for 3.7 and have more fun. Yeah. And that's great for him. He lived his best life. But I, he should be in the conversation for being the best player of all time. Yeah, and, he, well, and because of that, he wasn't. And I think he was really reliant on having an offense. Like, especially, he even says himself he can't be in a, the, the number one in the clutch. And yes. When he yes. when he didn't when he didn't have that when he didn't have that with the Lakers they got swept <laughs> like three straight years I believe. Yeah. And when Kobe was still developing, this is why I kind of have Kobe higher than Shaq. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, I can see that. And Shaq sure. was very reliant. Obviously, was very reliant on Dwayne Wade for his fourth championship. Yeah. He was terrible in the 2006 Finals, which is he was he was crazy. Yeah. Now the the thing I that I do would push back on a little bit is yeah like he he did have trouble creating in the clutch because you have to pass the ball in and when people are hyper alert that becomes significantly more difficult and hack attack yeah and of all the and besides hack attack of course but hack attack oh, hack attack he was hack attack hack attack my bad of all the big men on here. He had the highest offensive load. It's only 43%. And that's, that's not because he's an inferior player. This is even when Kobe wasn't, as, wasn't Kobe yet. That's just the nature of big men in the post. Like you just aren't used as much when you're not facilitating. Because if you're getting the ball, you specifically get the ball to score. Someone needs to pass to you also. Yeah. Yeah, someone needs to pass to you. While you're the perimeter player, you get the ball at top and you control everything. Big men just don't have that. That said, he still has this insane offensive impact. Right? Yeah. Like, even though it's like he's using 10% fewer possessions than guys like modern stars like Harden. He still <laughs> yeah. has greater offensive impact as a big man. And big men need, tend to need 
elite perimeter players to help them get the ball. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of the game. I think it's why the uh, he blossomed when Phil Jackson came in and they ran a triangle. Yes, um, having like the post is such an important part of that offense and running absolutely this this the cuts off the post entry. Yeah. He was getting he got a lot of he got like his yeah. assist jump from two point three to three point eight. Yes. Yeah. Ninety nine yeah. to oh. And you actually did notice a, a good thing. So when I was watching a little bit of tape on Shaq, I tried to compare Orlando Shaq, Lakers Shaq with Phil Jackson as the coach, and um Miami Shaq. Compare okay. the passing. You notice that the Phil Jackson years, his passing goes up, and then as soon as he leaves, it goes back down. Yeah, not basically. just per game. The percentages go down, so all that stuff goes down, and it's because I think part of this—it's the system, him learning the system. So I think that his playmaking—if he became an elite playmaker—wow, that would be the absolute good. But his playmaking ability is limited, and when he learns the stuff of the triangle, and they have cutters and cutters, and he has a specific shooter right there. Um, yeah. And then getting to play with Kobe, an elite off-ball guy, he'll rack up a couple more assists. Yep. So that's, uh, I'm glad that you pointed that out because that is something that I noticed watching him. And then when I look back in the stats, like, okay, they agree. All right, so next one for me. And fuck, this is hard. No, I'm just going to stick to the list. I'm going to stick to the list. <laughs> Number six is, for me, Magic Johnson. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I have Magic Johnson there. Arguably the GOAT Laker, the GOAT point guard, the GOAT Definitely the GOAT porn name. (laughs) Oh, no, that's not true. Oh, okay, this is interesting. I have Magic Johnson. So my case for Magic, I mean, of course, elite playmaker. I would say he's the greatest playmaker of all time. The fact that he's able to create like nine opportunities for his teammates like mm-hmm. in that era, that's ridiculous. Like guys now are getting to like 17, but this is with like a spaced out league with shooters. The half court was a lot of passing. Yeah. And then half court there was pretty simple in the 80s. Exactly. In the 80s, like when you look at the box creation, it's magic up here. And then everyone is like, it's, like, it's such a, an insanely wide gap. That's not even a Showtime definitely helped that. <laughs> Show, absolutely. But like his, his passing, wow, unbelievable. Like, We've seen there, there are videos devoted to his no-look passing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's insane. And then it really helps that he doesn't have a deep bag of scoring tricks, but he was very selective and very efficient at the things that he selected. He was very selective of when he would post up a guy, when he would take a catch-and-shoot shot, which was very elite, by the way. Yeah, his, ugly jump shot, though. But ugly yeah, jump <laughs> shot, but so effective, but so ugly. He, he had a decent, he, he decent three-point shot. Uh, he did, especially towards the end of his career. Yes, yeah. yes. So overall, his shooting was twenty-one, about twenty-one points for seventy-five on sixty-one percent true shooting. That's that's excellent, and that's a product of his selectivity. He, you know, it's a, that's a low volume, but he was very selective on when he would shoot. And like I remember watching, I went back and watched. This is a long time ago. I watched the eighty-five finals, one of the most exciting finals, by the way. If you haven't watched it, watch them. Yeah, that was very a good exciting. Final. So it was like, the eighty-four. Yeah. Every time Magic got, a, got the ball after Kareem or a post-up kickout and he shot it, I was like, it, did he miss at all in these <laughs> two games? Like, there, there are two games, I swear, I feel like he didn't miss a jump shot. It was unbelievable. Wow. 
I haven't watched that new game, so I, I'm not, I cannot confirm more than that. I'm sure if I rewatch it, then he probably will miss some. But he, it was so on point on those games. And he was wide open every time. But it's because he will only take it if it's wide open. He's very selective. Mm-hmm. I don't need to talk about his passing too much, of course. That was the year when he, he was still like... The main option was still Kareem in the half court, right? Yeah. And so because of Magic's passing and his... Especially 85 on, his jump shot got really, really good. He was still able to coincide with a guy like Kareem. And then in 86, he took over. It was a shit show for the first year. But then 87, he really ramped it up. And uh, another thing I do want to mention on Magic is that a lot of people love to discredit Jordan's 91 title because Magic was washed. He, oh. was, far, he was far from it. I mean, He was the second MVP runner-up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you go. He was MVP runner-up to Jordan. His box score numbers were absolutely insane still. His impact metrics were insane still. The Lakers' offense was absolutely insane still. There is no, other than revisionist history, there is no argument you could say that Magic wasn't at least in the tail end of his prime. Because I watched watched Dream Team tape. He was still good at the Dream Team. Yeah, he was a little slower. He yeah, was a yeah. little slower, but of course, he hadn't played basketball yet. This, the really big what if of his career, like if it he really didn't is. get HIV, he probably his career probably extends to like the mid to late nineties. Yeah, and then like this, this do the Lakers get Kobe and Shaq? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. All right, anyway. so that that's where, yeah, his his longevity is not not as good as it should have been, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was good enough. He led elite. LA Lakers offenses with and without yep. so who is your number six for me number six is the big fundamental Tim Duncan Tim Duncan okay yeah so we probably probably flip flop on some of these players the remaining players I'm assuming we're, we have the same players now I'm not sure though now but- I'm thinking I'm thinking about it now and I'm just like okay I think we're gonna have the same ones but there is I could see it going totally way off there's <laughs> I could see it so okay you have the big fundamental Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan, poss- like, like Hakeem, possibly the GOAT defender. Yes. And his longevity is insane, considering like he played in 99 and was still a really good player in 2016 when he retired. Yes. Unlike Shaq, who like, by the time he retired was just too injured to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um. He obviously at this peak back to back MVP in 2002 and 2003. That 2003 uh, run to the finals, carrying that Spurs team. If you even, if you look at that Spurs team, it was not very good. I mean, yeah, no. roster wise, no. it was not very good. Almost and arguably got the quintuple, uh, quadruple double in that game six quadruple of double. the finals. Yeah, yeah. Even nah, though he was, wasn't credited, yeah. even though he wasn't credited for it. That would have been the only quadruple quadruple double in the finals. It, it probably would. I think it would have been. Yeah. Now Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain probably got there at some point too, but they didn't count blocks. Yeah. So Tim Duncan, greatest power forward ever. He anchored like a Spurs defense, regardless of who was around him for <laughs> for twenty years, which is crazy. And the fact he never won a Defensive Player of the Year award is that's a crime. A crime. It's a crime. I highlighted it as like a why does he have zero here? Because <laughs> yes. listen, like eight defensive first team, seven second second defensive team, zero D point. I'm like, why? Yeah. 
um he obviously could be, he played both like the offensive number one as i mentioned in 2003 and he could he let his teammates do what they had to do and mm-hmm. like took a step back when they had better players so like Kawhi in 2014 tony parker in the 07 finals and even actually that early 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 10s tony parker really was the main offensive player on the team really in 05 ginobili was the main offensive guy in that yeah, Pistons series you know, yeah, actually who was that finals mvp and he was insane in you could games. argue that but i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't but like manu is insane yeah i remember i i watched that game recently actually manu made that like big three in the fourth quarter if i remember to break the tie i think yeah. also tim duncan pass if i if i remember correctly mm-hmm. um but yeah uh greatest power forward ever number six on my list cool like and i snake to number five yes Here, Magic Johnson. <laughs> Magic Johnson. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Because my number five is Tim Duncan. <laughs> oh. And I flip. I I flip flop. I still even up until we started recording, I flip flop those two. Okay. Um, why I have Magic over Duncan? And honestly, I can't blame you for for having the order the other way around. Yes. Um, I guess it comes again to your your peak. I think. Ooh, this is hard. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be hard to justify because I'm thinking about Duncan as well right now. I think Ma- Ma- Magic was definitively the best player from like '87 to like nine, like possibly '90. Mm-hmm. Although Jordan is like right there, right, right. Um, and and while his defense wasn't the best, like the best, he, I guess, the defense is where Duncan has him for sure. Oh yeah, no doubt, <laughs> no doubt. Magic no Johnson wasn't, doubt. The, wasn't the best defender. He had zero defensive first teams and zero defensive second teams. <laughs> Wait, Magic? Magic, Magic, zero, nothing. Oh, I thought he had a, like two. No, well, at least according to Wikipedia, no, none. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought he made one. Anyway. Um. But yeah, I think him leading those '80s Lakers. I think just had, like his peak in the '80s. I think was better than Duncan's yeah. in the early 2000s. Basically, is my argument. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Well, how about you? Why so the opposite? The, the big thing, I I straddle between <laughs> because it's so hard. Because it's course, so hard. I do think Magic's offensive impact is far better than Duncan's offensive impact. It's the defense yeah. that makes it difficult. Because like then the overall impact on the game, that's where it becomes tough for me to balance. Where is Tim Duncan's overall offense and defense cumulatively more valuable than everything Magic did on offense? That that's the struggle I have here. And you know, when I was even when I was doing this exercise on my own, it was getting so difficult for me to compare big men and perimeter-based players because the, their responsibilities are so different. It, yeah, balancing the elite offensive engines versus guys who are elite defensive guys, but you, they have to have some good offensive stuff too. It got so challenging, and that's why I flip flop between Duncan and Magic. Um, and I went with Duncan because I think that I value the defense a little more. That may, mm. may just be a personal thing. I value yeah, that's defense, and he has enough offensive stuff that I'm okay. And so that's fair. The stuff the the important stuff with Duncan from an offensive standpoint is that his numbers do not go down. In fact, they go a little up. They're from 20- it's so consistent. It's really so consistent. 
from 24 points per 75 on 55 and a half percent true shooting to 25 on 56. Very consistent. Like his passing is consistent. Um, his defensive impact is just a hair under Hakeem, but still great. I think that's just a product of Hakeem's um, a little bit better at steals. So he reads the mm-hmm. passing lanes a little better than I would say Duncan does. That's, that's probably where I would put Hakeem over Duncan, but Duncan easily one of the greatest defenders of all time and has a case for GOAT defender for sure. Yeah. So it, it's a balancing act. It's, we're splitting hairs, but I have Duncan at five. <laughs> Plus, the longevity is just a little bit better for Duncan. Like, at the in 2016, bit? yeah, yeah, you're right. But at, <laughs> a lot of. In 2016, and this is especially on the defensive end, 2016, he was 40. And you know, he got beat up by the OKC Thunder in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he led the league in defensive field goal percentage at the rim at 47%. Wow. He was 40. DeAndre Jordan existed at the same time as this. <laughs> and other, like Tyson Chandler, Mark Gasol. Tyson Chandler, you know, yeah. All played at the same time. He was the one. I know it's a regular season, but that's impressive. It just speaks to his defensive IQ and like knowing where yeah. to be and when to be there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I still remember from that OKC series in Game 6, like they had Kawhi Leonard, they had, the young, they had young Kawhi Leonard, they had Tony yeah. Parker, yeah. who was still pretty good to them. And they were trying to get they were they were relying on Duncan to get buckets for them, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. They had Obviously, Lamarcus Aldridge. Why, yeah, yeah, they had Lamarcus Aldridge as well, and like he was and he was doing it until like he got stuffed with like <laughs> I remember he was leading a comeback and then he got stuffed. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he kind of ran out of gas. At the end. Yeah. I mean, he had to he had to lose weight to be able to keep playing in the NBA, but then he of course lost his mass and strength, so. Enos Cantor and Steven Adams just beat the crap out of him. Yeah. No, actually, that's a that's a thing. Like he was a bit beefier in the in the early two thousands when the league was a bit more bigs oriented and post oriented. And he then once it became more Shaq. perimeter, yeah, exactly. He he limited Shaq actually. He limited Kobe Shaq. Was the one who, he was Kobe was the one who killed the Spurs. Yeah. You look at the um, 02, 03 seasons where they they matched up. Duncan limited Shaq. He did. Yeah, it, I think Sha- Shaq's numbers went down, right? It did. If I remember it correctly. Did. His numbers go down. Yeah. yeah. I remember you talked about this before. <laughs> you talked about this. Like, you compared yeah. their individual matchups, and Duncan actually has a slight edge on most of them. Yeah. And at the very worst, you can say, like, they played dead even, except maybe one series where Shaq did dominate him. It's just that Shaq, I mean, Duncan didn't have, like, a Kobe, Kobe level player at the time. Yeah, yeah. Basically. So, yeah, I have Tim Duncan at number five. Number four? Is it, is it mine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I said five. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's you, it's you. Okay. I'm pretty confident now that we have the same top four. Same. I'm not sure about the order. Still. I'm not sure about the order. Okay. Number four, okay. I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Ooh. I know, I know you don't have Kareem here. <laughs> I know you have Bill Russell here. Well, spot on. Yeah, I have Bill Russell here. Yeah, I, I know you have Bill Russell there. So I have Kareem. Um, and this is another two that I flip-flop. <laughs> Bill could be four, man. Argue. I mean, we've had this argument for sure. Um, anyway, so Kareem, I mean, 
do we start with the scoring? I think we start with the scoring. I mean, the I mean, he's the he's the leading scorer all time. The, the yeah. cheat code of offense is the sky hook, and yep. I mean, there's tons of people who've broken down Kareem, so we don't need to do it too much here. But more counters than you think, much better passer than you think. Actually, yeah, that 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 video of Ben Taylor brought that out for me that he was a better passer than I yes. thought. Yes. Um, and th- there are many other, there are a couple of other videos that talk about his passing. So mm-hmm. great passer. Um, underrated number of counters. And, you know, I think that if he played in the modern NBA, he could develop a really good mid-range jump shot. I mean, he shot 75% from free throw line for his career. Mm-hmm. That's what LeBron shoots. He should just shoot Skyhook from the field. <laughs> I honestly could. Like, I mean, could you imagine him like just running up to the right elbow, catching it, and just like he doesn't have to turn, he just goes. Yeah, like the guy could be it. right on him. He still has enough space to throw it up. Yeah, and I mean, remember the first game in the 1979-80 season, the famous one where Kareem hits a skyhook from like 17 feet. Yes, and magic, like, yeah. Crowds him. Hugs him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The underrated thing about that is that he shot a skyhook from 17 feet. <laughs> Insane. Catch and shoot, man. Catch and shoot. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, and so... And there's nothing but the bottom as well. Jeez. Yeah, seriously. I know he played in the 70s and it wasn't like this great era, but the impact metrics freaking love Kareem. So, although in the regular season, his box plus is only 5.5, but his offensive Raptor... And his offensive Raptor is 3.5. Those aren't like the best. But his in the playoffs, and these are fudgy because the area was different. His it goes up to seven point five in the playoffs, and I think that's probably more appropriate. And then his defensive box plus stuff is sub elite, so it's like two point six defensive box plus, and then defensive Raptors three. So that's just shy of like, of course, Hakeem's and Tim Duncan's and Kevin Garnett's impact. But I think it's good enough because of his IQ. That's where I have Kareem. He led some great offenses, both in Milwaukee and Los Angeles. Uh, I'm not going to read out all the numbers, but they're elite, like several points above league average. And then <laughs> the longevity thing. This is, this is Kareem in 1971, 25 <laughs> points per 75 on 60.6 true shooting. Kareem in 1986 is 24.6 on 60.3. That's crazy. Like that's crazy. No drop like hardly any drop off. Hardly a drop off. Of course, people will point to the points per game being different. And yeah, of course, because he's not playing as much. But when you take it in the per possession, it's the same. That's actually ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So I have I have Kareem at number four. You have Bill Russell at number four. And now I'm even I'm even still I'm not comfortable comfortable with it at number four. I know, but yeah. He the greatest winner of all time. Um, I feel he's underrated in many of these lists. Uh, yes. Like I've seen I've seen people I've seen people not have him in the top ten at all. That's or insane. in the bottom five. It's ridiculous. Uh, yes. he's the it, it, I get the the obvious argument that's against him is this era, but. I mean, you got to play who's in front of you, right? And he played arguably exactly. like the best player. Like, he played Will Chamberlain night in and night out. They played a lot of, because there are only so few teams, they played each other constantly. Yes. And, he always, and he usually got the best of him. 
Bill Russell, 11 rings, obviously. He would have 11 finals MVPs if that, that award existed. <laughs> no question. No and question. Probably the only player on my top 10 that is a def- like not an offensive number one. It wasn't an offensive number one at some point in their career. Or probably even an offensive number two, to be frank. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Uh, um, but yeah, he's the greatest player of all time. I think you can't you can't deny his um, dominance of the 60s and yeah, the 60s basically. Yeah, no doubt. From the moment he was drafted, he brought the Celtics to the finals. <laughs> they won. They yeah. won. He could arguably. He, yeah, go ahead. He, he could have won the next year, I think, but he got injured. Yeah, that, that's literally what I was about to say. He could have 12. <laughs> that's ridiculous. 11 championships, 12 All Stars. Not in the first team as often as I thought. It's three, three out, three, three first team, eight second team, which is surprising yeah. to me. A lot of that has to do with the who voted. Yeah, so and he probably people, like yeah. Will Chamberlain probably got those in, over him. Did because Wilt's numbers were better. So people, the from what I understand, it was more people because not everyone could watch Bill Russell and read everything about Bill Russell, so they didn't understand his impact. So they would make these decisions on numbers. And of course, Wilt's numbers are much better yeah. than Russell's. So that's why he would get it. But it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't match. I, have to, I guess I have to look into more how they voted because he had five yes. MVPs still in that same, in that same era. Yeah, seriously. And I don't, I don't understand how he didn't match his, or get more first-team votes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think anecdotally, he was the best player of the time. Regardless of all the stats that Oscar and Will Chamberlain and Bob Pettit put up, he was still considered he the was. best player in the league. Oh, my only pre-60s player on this team. <laughs> me too, me too. Number three. It's me, it's me. Sorry. It's you. So, <laughs> LeBron. Yeah. Oh, wow. James okay. LeBron. James LeBron. James LeBron. Okay, so you have LeBron at number three. Okay. LeBron Lames. This is interesting. You have LeBron at number three. Okay. <laughs> Considering our recent podcast of yeah, damn. him being argued as the GOAT, I think between, obviously, this means Kareem and MJ are above, but. Yeah. So we. <laughs> spoiler alert we have the exact same 10 players. We are, yeah, wow. We have the exact same 10 players. Isn't that insane? You didn't look at advanced numbers. I looked at advanced numbers. And it's the same. So, just are we just say for people who great don't understand. Great minds think alike. Great minds think alike. <laughs> We're going to redo this podcast, and I'm going to make more controversial ones. Allen Iverson is number five. Number one, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson. <laughs> I have Russell Westbrook at number two. He's a point guard. He has the ball all the time. So, <laughs> all right, LeBron at number three. I guess I'm not surprised for you. Go ahead. Why? Because I'm a LeBron hater. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> but he plays for your team. You're the one. He plays for the Lakers. Ever. No, I, he's number three. How is that a hate? How is it hating? <laughs> I know, but still, it's like you're. You just said you're a LeBron hater. Number one, so you can see how's a Haiti. You just proclaimed you're a LeBron hater. Number two, your second team is the Celtics. Like if if the Lakers didn't exist, your team would be the Celtics, because you went to school in Boston. Boston. I'm actually terrible that I got converted. <laughs> hey man, I don't I don't blame you, but people who don't know you, like you were a Lakers fan before you decided to go to BU, long before you decided to go to BU, right? 
Yeah. And B Kobe. was just the best school for you. Kobe. So, <laughs> there you go. Okay, LeBron. We do, I get, really dive into LeBron yes. in our previous podcast. So, we don't have to say much about, about him, I, I think. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I have him at number three... Well, this he'll probably he'll probably move up, honestly. Um, yeah. In the in the next two years, to be honest, and if I do this list again, he might move up. He might be number two. Okay. But right now, I have him at number three, uh, just because because LeBron is on pace to beat Kareem's all-time scoring record, which yeah, Man. assuming he doesn't get injured, but that's actually ridiculous. Um, Insane. But. Yeah, like LeBron has been the best player in the league since basically to what 2011, 2012, arguably earlier. Yeah, definitely 2012, arguably earlier for some people. Uh, Obviously, he won four championships in this decade, and also the four MVPs as well. Yeah, one of the few players to do back to backs. Arguably, should have a Defensive Player of the Year. I'm not sure if I agree with that yet, but arguably. He definitely thinks so. <laughs> he definitely thinks so. I'd have to look into it. But, you know. He was, yeah, I, like when, he, when he welcomed Marcus all, he was like, yeah, he has my Defensive Player of the Year trophy. Roll <laughs> <Blow> my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about LeBron. The greatest Flores of all time, as we mentioned before. Yep. Um, greatest cross, cross-court passer. Arguably oh, the goat yeah. passer. Skip pa- goat skip, skip passer, passing. for sure. Goat skip passer. I wouldn't have him uh, as the GOAT passer overall. I still think it's magic. Yeah, but he's, he's in that conversation, I believe. He's in the conversation, for sure. Uh, also, the greatest stat patter of all time. Well, no. Actually, I would still have Russell Westbrook Ru- as that. No, I, think, I think Wilt has that title. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, Wilt would have that. Hands the greatest down. stat patter of all time. <laughs> Who did you have at number three? Just This is where Russell is? This is where Bill Russell is for me. <laughs> the thing is, like... There are a lot of people, like you said, who have Bill Russell outside of the top 10. And if you're looking at it from the standpoint of judging an old player by modern criteria, then I get it. Like, if, if you're going to have Russell that far out, I, I will look at if you, who you have behind him. Because if you have Wilt, Oscar, and Jerry above Russell, then that just shows you don't know anything about basketball. Because he had better impact than all those guys. Yep. Now, if, if Russell, let's say if Russell's like 100 on your list, but Wilt is 101, Wes is 102, I wouldn't agree with it, but at least you're like thinking consistent. and there's, at least you're consistent. And yeah, it, If someone has Wilt over Russell, I, I think that's one thing that we both agree on, that it's an absolute thing, but Russell is better than Wilt. Yeah, it's an absolute thing because like just the impact wasn't the same. And Ben Taylor did like probably the best breakdown of Bill Russell I'd ever seen. Yeah, so this greatest peak series. Watch the yeah. video. Watch that. To supplement that too, championship odds over replacement player. So like this is sort of like value over replacement player and wins over replacement player. So for perspective, let's let's have a good example here. Peak Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on a random team would your championship odds would be twenty one point two percent. Bill Russell in a five-year peak, was 24. So it's a little better. His on-and-off numbers, like with or without you, from Ben Taylor, is 
just about six. It's 5.9 for like his five-year peak. That's better than Kareem. And that's all defensive. His box plus minus is far better than anyone else's. It's 5.5. Wow. The next highest one I have on here is Hakeem Olajuwon at 3.5. <laughs> it's Dang. absolutely insane. Of course, like there's the Celtics defensive rating. So for a solid, what, four or five years, they're at least eight and a half points better. And then at the peak in 1965, sorry, 1964, they're almost 11 points better than average on defense alone. That's wow. freaking insane. And when Russell leaves, they become an average defense. That's his impact. That's exactly the impact of LeBron yeah. leaving his team. He didn't, they didn't make the finals to like 1974 or something, right? The Celtics. Yeah, yeah. So they got like Dave Collins and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's Russell's impact. That is like LeBron-like impact of a guy coming in. This is what happens. He leaves. That's what happens. And then I hate it when people say like he got carried offensively. Yeah, he was an offensive number one. He was an offensive number two. But go back and look at those Celtics teams. They were league average offense every year, even these years on defense. They were only title contenders because of Russell's defense. That's like the, that's the exactly big exactly. It was the defense that changed it, not the offensive stars. Yeah, they had a lot of great offensive stars. But if the team is based around Russell's defense, I just don't see how you can say that he got carried. And not, none of those players that were played with him would be Hall of Famers if it weren't for Bill Russell. Yeah. The only reason they, yeah. they, they, they won multiple championships is because of Bill Russell, right? He's yeah. literally, the one who can, he, literally the poster boy of making your teammates better. I know. It, it's insane. There, there are, of course, a lot of de- advanced defensive metrics. But the best one we have is defensive win shares. This is totally imperfect because it just divides your wins and distributes things based on the score and all that stuff. It's not perfect because it doesn't remove players that you play with together a lot. And especially in this era when everyone plays together for like 40-something minutes. But defensive win shares, it's always every year he's in the league. It's him and then the next guy is way, way, way off. Like starting from 1961 when he peaks, he's 4.8 win shares above the next guy. And then it's five and a half, then seven, five and a half, eight. Like, it's never close. Wow. It's imperfect, but it's, like, it's never close. The fact and that no one is even close, right? Even, even with, I'm assuming even during peak, like, Wilt's, like, best years, he was yeah. never there. Yeah. And so, when I, when I look at Russell's impact on defense, it's insane. And so, of course, the parallel is Wilt. And the reason that I just, there's no way I can put Wilt over Russell ever is because Wilt's, monster scoring seasons. Of course, like the 50 points per game and the, the next year he was 40-something. Yeah. Incredible in any context. Like, that's tough to do, but when you change it to... Um, when you look at the efficiency, it's league average. When you look at the per possession, it's great, but it's not better than the Jordan or Kobe's monster seasons. When you look at it that way. Mm. And then it just never led to great offenses every year Wilt did that league average you have a 50 point score on your team but your team is average they missed the playoffs in 1962 the season he scored 50 no no sorry that's ridiculous the season he scored 44.7 points per game or something like that they missed Mm -hmm. the playoffs it was a nine-team league 
<laughs> That's actually ridiculous. It was a nine-team league and they missed the playoffs. I just can't. That I can't. I can't ignore that. Did not lead to winning his play style. Once now in '67, that season was insane. When he played more like Russell, ironically. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it lasted one season, basically. That's why I can't have Will of, over Russell in any context. And this is why I have Russell and Kareem are, are switchable for me. I do have a little mm-hmm. bit of a bias because you know how much I love Bill Russell. And I think that I'm doing this to overcompensate for the slander. <laughs> but I, I honestly, Will Russell could be as high as two for me on this list. Yeah, yeah. For me, he, if you, in, a, in, the, in the absolute best light, I do have an argument for Bill Russell as the GOAT. It's not a strong argument. It's there. It's not a good one. But I think, yeah. like, I would flip-flop between him and Kareem. Could even yeah. put him at two in the best light. Yeah, just and put on your LeBron hater hat. <laughs> well, I guess, <laughs> so speaking of, my number two, you guessed... Jabron Lane. Allen Iverson. Huh? No. (laughs) (laughs) My number two is LeBron James. Iverson. (laughs) Um, The the big reason that I have LeBron here is, I mean, the like just the impact that LeBron has had is just it only compares to one other guy. Like when we really look at his peak peak. There, there is only one other guy who he's, who's reached that level of stra- that stratosphere. Mm-hmm. The reason I, would have, I could have Russell and Kareem over there was, one, both of those guys had underrated longevity, especially Russell. Like 13 years in the 60s. Playing played, on Converse like, shoes. <laughs> Converse on like legit wood floors. That, yeah. Like there's a reason guys had arthritis by the time they were 30 and out of the league when guys now are hitting their physical prime at 30. I remember pictures of the parquet floor in Boston, the Boston Garden. It was they bad. were uneven, dude. It was an un- it's and bad. this was in the 80s. I can't, can you imagine the 60s? The 60s is worse. It was probably concrete. Yeah. Yeah. So Bill Russell playing 13 years at that high level is absolutely insane. So for them, it would be more longevity over the quantity over the next two guys. Now, because I am prioritizing the higher, slightly higher peak for the next two guys, including LeBron, that's why I have LeBron number two. Plus, LeBron has a, a really solid case for having better longevity than the other guy. Than Kareem, basically. Yeah. Kareem. Not yet Kareem. I wouldn't say he has better longevity than Kareem just yet, but he's probably going to get there. Um, now, that now that we've talked about it more, I might flip LeBron and Kareem. Um, okay. Because I, I did mention I, the peak, the, LeBron's peak, the more I think about it, is better than Kareem's. Yeah. Particularly because he was the one who carried, he was the offensive number one, carrying teams to the finals and whatnot. Um, but the reason I had Kareem originally ahead was because I think I was going to say that the peak for peak is pretty much similar and then Kareem's longevity is better. Yeah. But yeah, I mean LeBron. Like this will obviously this. Assuming LeBron doesn't get injured, this will obviously change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see like LeBron can still like. I don't know how long I can play for, but I feel like he'll reach forty, more than forty for. for I'm once. sure his goal is to reach Bronny James, no doubt. For sure, to reach for sure. There's no doubt. Um, yeah, I think I have nothing else to add over what he said about Kareem. Watch the Ben Taylor video about Kareem. That excellent, excellent, yes, excellent video. Yeah. definitely watch the one on Bill Russell. 
excellent. Um, yes, the um, but no, yes. Wilt, Wilton Wilton Russell one. Yeah. Yep. Just just because I do have we talked extensively about LeBron, I'm not gonna go on about his numbers here, just because I I think that's laid out in the other one. But yeah, yeah overall impact, I would put LeBron here at number two. And I have Kareem at least in my original list. Yes. Um, yeah. And number one, uh, this player played for the Bulls. Gave us a lot of up and under highlights. <laughs> wore, wore a 20 something number. Brian Scalabrini. Yep. 24, 24. <laughs> <Or> 24. <laughs> the White Mamba. The, number, White Mamba the, the greatest player no of all time. Versus the Red Rocket, the Red Mamba, Matt Bonner. I think the peak of Brian Scalabrini was game. Five against the Pistons in 2004. Yeah. Triple overtime. He made three three pointers. His team Jason. offensive rating was 300, meaning <laughs> on 100 possessions, he scored 300 points. And then his box plus minus is 302. Not to mention his efficiency. Two minutes a game, one championship in the 2008 season. That's so efficient. Unbelievable. <laughs> 2008 season. <laughs> Incredible. I love Scalabrini <laughs> jokes. But on a serious note, number one is Air Jordan, Michael. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Who else? And I think we laid out our case for Jordan yes. in our previous pod. Um, do you, you want to add anything to that in this? Um... Not really. I think just because we've, we've gone on for a long time. It's been an hour and a half. It's been... It's been an hour and 15, and we had to. This is the top 10 of all time. But <laughs> yeah, so we lay out the argument there. My question for you then is if, let's say, best case scenario, LeBron does three-peat, would you, ever, would you put LeBron over Michael? It's hard to argue. If he, if he three-peats with the, uh, with, with the current Lakers, yeah. With the current Lakers, assuming he's still the best player. Because mm-hmm. if he's just riding... Anthony Davis's coattail and someone else comes right. or something. Yeah, it has to be like first or second best player. Um, yeah, assuming that he's still the best player in the team at that point, he would. It'll be tough to argue, I would say. <laughs> I'll put him at seven championships, seven finals MVPs, 20 no, something years. We'll put him at six. Oh, if you include the next two, right. Sorry, I, you're including this year as so a part of three feet. My bad. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So they would both have six rings. Six rings. That kind of that, that destroys a lot of people's uh, arguments on Twitter. To be oh, honest. for sure. Yeah, um, no doubt. I think Jordan still might have a case in that po- at that point. Um, but I think LeBron's longevity would put him over the top at, at that rate. Oh yeah, yeah. I already consider LeBron's longevity much better. Now yeah, that exactly. there's obvious context to it in that Jordan. Like, it was always an all-out war. Like, he played harder in the regular season, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah, LeBron, like, Jordan played seven. Like, I think there's only one season where he played less than 80 games in that six-year yeah. run, if I'm not yeah. wrong. Yeah. And not that LeBron wouldn't, hasn't had, you know. Well, I guess the case I'm making is that Jordan tried harder in the regular season, and he burned himself out much faster. And... Um, I mean, for me, if LeBron did win the three, get to six, 
it would be tough to argue, but there are just a couple of minor things that I that wouldn't put him over the top for me. Now, granted, Team hopping. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could put LeBron over Michael right now. Like if LeBron's career ended now, there's still I still have a solid case for Le- being putting LeBron at number one. Like if I'm yeah. being, being my most objective. I don't think it's the I don't think it's like a clear cut Michael Jordan's number one case that like I agree. Yeah. The fan base says it is. The the thing is like we already know exactly who LeBron is. His game's not gonna change anymore. Mm-hmm. We know exactly who he is. Whether he wins the titles or not, he's made the impact. We know exactly what he's gonna get. And of course he's had he's recruited all these different teammates. Him stacking the deck in that way is one thing that like just doesn't it's a thing and I I'm not super against players doing that it's just it's it is a little easier to to win when you are able to stack the deck that way that's that's one thing number yeah number 2 um I do think that his early losses still you still have to think about that and it's not just the losses because of course Jordan lost before 91 I'm not saying Jordan had a perfect career he lost the Pistons three times that's a lot of times to lose to the same team it's what Doc Rivers said on an NBA open court thing and this is the like it's a philosophical thing for me because I do have a pattern of not liking players who are super physically gifted now they're all physically gifted yeah like the 90th percentile of the 99th percentile of athletes who don't really have to think about the smaller details of the game because they're just so big and physically dominant that mm-hmm. they don't really have to think about these small details. Like Jordan has had to think about his specific post moves, his specific footwork because yeah, he was a great athlete, but he had to have fundamentals because he wasn't that big. He was still smaller than league average. Yeah. Because LeBron is just this big hulking behemoth of a man. Where yeah. he never, even now, where he's more athletic than everyone in the league, except for maybe Zion, and that's a maybe. Like he's never had to think about his specific moves, right? Like we we discussed in our scouting report, he doesn't have moves. It's very simple moves, and if he does, he he, he doesn't really use them. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, especially yeah. nowadays, it's bully ball yeah. basically. And of and, and of course, like. If you have it, use it. I'm not saying that he shouldn't use it. But because of that, early in his career, when Doc Rivers said that, he noticed that Miami LeBron was a different player than prior to that because he wasn't reading the game. And I'm not saying that LeBron wasn't a smart player because he was a very sharp passer before yeah. that. But when it becomes like he's reading stuff, he knows all the plays beforehand, that's stuff Jordan did. That is stuff Kobe did. And until about 2012, LeBron wasn't doing that. That, that, that does, like, bother me. And, I, of course, like, he made the switch, and it's great. But it's like yeah. it, the, the, the philosophical difference, Jordan and Kobe coming into the league that way versus LeBron not figuring that out until he was 28 mm-hmm. is the thing that slightly gives Jordan the edge. And again, it's a slight, it's a hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? And pe- if people are going to trash me, that's fine. I, sta- I stand by what I'm saying. But I also admit that there's a case for LeBron. There absolutely is. 
yeah, I think another thing that LeBron kind of like where it falls for him is, I don't know if you agree with this, but particularly like, I mean, obviously we know he had his meltdowns in 20, 2011 and 2010. But you yes. can argue that like in 2018, for example, after game one, he wasn't as locked in as he was in game one. You know, like he, like he, I will give him a break for that though. <laughs> he got so pissed at yeah. Smith. <laughs> I'll I will give him that. Like if he wasn't engaged after that, I I get it. Honestly, like that's that would take me out. Like, that's ridiculous. That's he broke his hand doing because okay, he was no. so pissed. <laughs> I'm sure he hurt his hand significantly. And if that took him out of the series, I I don't freaking blame him. Are you, are you kidding me, J.R. Smith? That's ridiculous. What, another thing, too, that I, I don't like about Le, LeBron's career is that in 2017, during their title defense, because, of course, I, I, judge, I also judge the players by their title defense. Yeah. Because that's important. Like, it doesn't matter if you won or lost. It's about how you defended it. And that year, 2017, Katie had just signed with the Warriors. And, of course, the Cavs had this insane elite offense right? yeah. led by LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. Elite offense. They were not locked in defensively. That's why they lost to the Warriors. That's why they lost. Like, people can say, like, oh, whatever. Like, 2017 is, like, whatever. Because the Warriors were just such a stacked team. They were a 73-win team. And then they got an MVP in KD. And I was like, I get it. But why does LeBron get a pass for that? He shouldn't. I don't shouldn't. Care. Like, I honestly don't care how stacked that team was. You, they didn't try on defense. That's a big deal to me. That's actually crazy because, like, 2016, the reason they beat the Warriors was they slowed the game down. You know, they made them play at the Cavs' pace. But exactly. then in 2017, they, they went fucking hyperdrive on fast breaks and on pace. They did. They really, did. It was stupid. <laughs> I think a stupid strategy, yeah. I think. And some of that was a coaching change. So I get that. Like Ty, maybe that's the way Ty Lue wanted to play. But in 2017... Wait, Ty Lue was the coach in 2016. I know, but only for half of it. Yeah, that's, that's, He wasn't going to make the <laughs> monumental changes when he didn't have a training camp. That's fair. right. So like half the season was Ty Lue. But when he had a full season, the Cavs had a below-average defense. They were coasting, Leo. <laughs> coasted too much. And that's, that's another small thing that rubs me the wrong way. And so LeBron could win the next title, next two titles. It wouldn't, that stuff doesn't change for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it doesn't change what ha- what's happened, yeah. What has happened. And I just, LeBron, in- yeah. I mean, if I could base a team around LeBron, I'd be like really freaking ecstatic. He's a great <laughs> player. He's potentially the GOAT. But my small thing with, like, my small philosophical preferences put Michael over. That's it. That's fair. Yeah. And I pretty much agree with that because, you know, we're both LeBron haters. Yes. I'm trying to be objective here, I promise. <laughs> Honorable mentions for you real quick. Who are other guys that you considered? And I have a feeling I know who at least one of these guys was. I mean, I think we mentioned him a lot in this list, particularly talking about Russell. Will Chamberlain is probably, yes. like, the big, the big one. That yeah. people are expecting, and mm-hmm. it's on a lot of lists. Mm-hmm. Um, honorable mentions that were probably just outside the ten for me. Uh, no particular order, just so you guys know, because I haven't really thought about the order of these players. Yeah, 
uh, Oscar Robertson, Jerry mm-hmm. West, yep. um, Barkley, Malone, Nowitzki, Garnett, really? yeah. Curry, Durant. Yeah. All right. That's so like 10 people. <laughs> yeah. So really, like, for me, I considered 14. And the other three I whittled down pretty easily because I guess Wilt is my unofficial 11. Because, yeah. Like, I mean, the statistical dominance yet there, you know, so I can't ignore it. And he did have a monster season. And then he actually, no, yeah. he, and he, he, he changed his game to result in winning. Yeah. And once he, after in the 70s, 70s Wilt was better. He like focused more on facilitating and he played defense. He was out of his prime though. So that's, it, that sucks. So of course, Wilt is my, my number 11. And then the, really the three other guys who eliminated pretty quick because Wilt was 11 were Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, and Kevin Garnett. And Kevin Garnett, Garnett might be 12 for me. I really want to have – we should have this debate about Garnett, Duncan, and Nowitzki. I want to do a Garnett – Like a power forward. To be honest with you. A power forward ranking. I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah. I think we disagree on Garnett. Although he is really – he's in my next – 10 players that I put here. Yeah. I wouldn't put him at 12. I, I, I used to be with you because I know you have Dirk over Garnett, but I do have Garnett over Dirk. Now. Garnett, Anthony Davis. Let's do that. <laughs> but anyway. We got to do that too. And those were our top 10s of all time. The 10 greatest players of all time. Um, Carlos, who were, just reiterate real quick, who was your top 10 list? Okay. Uh, so counting down from 10 to 1, we got Shaq. Number 10, Hakeem. Number 9, Kobe. Number 8, Larry Bird. Number 7, Tim Duncan. Number 6, Magic Johnson. Number 5, Russell. Number 4, LeBron. Number 3, Kareem at 2, and Jordan at 1. And I had, and I I did mention that Wilt was number 11. So I have Hakeem at 10. I have Larry Bird at 9. Kobe Bryant at 8. Shaquille O'Neal at 7. Magic Johnson at six, Tim Duncan at five, Kareem at four, Bill Russell at two, three, Bill Russell at three, LeBron at two, and then Michael Jordan at one. Oh, wait, wait, forgot. Number one was Scalabrini. <laughs> yeah, number one was Scalabrini. So let us know your thoughts on our top 10 list. We're probably going to get some hate for something. There's, there's, our, our, our five listeners will d- dislike some of this. <laughs> someone is going to dislike something. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, w- our only question this week is, what did you guys think of our top 10 list? And how, ba- how badly are you guys going to trash us? <laughs> Who's got next? <laughs>